You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 326. Well, you're sort of listening to episode 326. Here's the deal. Every holiday season, typically in November and December and January, I do repeats of episodes that I've done throughout the years that are specifically applicable to things that we contend with around the holiday season. So how to not lose our shit with our family, dealing with grief over the holidays, dealing with excess stress. And I had every intention of re-recording a brand new episode for you this week all about dealing with grief grief around the holiday season. And life happened, shit happened, and we were not able to get into our little bougie beige studio that we love to record in. So what I'm going to bring to you this week is a rebroadcast of episode 280, which was all about dealing with grief during the holiday season. So as always, you will find everything that you need in the show notes for anything that's referenced in this podcast. And I truly hope that you pay attention to the needs of your emotions throughout this holiday season as it's so easy to get lost in sort of the craziness and the hustle and bustle. There are more important things than fucking gifts. So there's that. So please enjoy the episode and we'll be back in your feed with a brand new episode next week. Enjoy. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Got a little squirrely there. I have been so giggly all morning. And then <laughs> it's a good thing. It's we good were just thing. talking about the would you rather around the head pubes <laughs> and the sandy genitals and Sandy J's. Sandy G's. It just struck me as so hilarious that I was like, Well, could I have a barrette? You know, like that would make it so Even much better. That much more distracting, to be honest. Oh my gosh. Would you rather they're just <laughs> They're just, that's where it's at. Could we start off with a would you rather? Or do you want to go into your topic? Ooh, shake it up. Yeah, let's shake it up. Well, first, let me tell them what, what the- Oh, where they are? What they're doing here? Yeah. Oh, this is the Joy Junkie show. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. we're a class act. You should have known that from the beginning. You Well, you clicked on it, so you already know that. You clicked, motherfuckers. <laughs> click, motherfucker. <laughs> click, motherfucker. Click, motherfucker. Click. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is, it's going to be one of those this shows. It's off the rails already. All right, so we're going to be talking about dealing with grief and six different strategies or tools that you can use if you're up against something that makes this holiday season feel a little different than holidays of past. So you might initially think that this is going to be just about dealing with the loss of a loved one. It's absolutely not. It can actually be applicable to anything that has happened in your world that makes this holiday feel really different. So that could be maybe you have somebody in your family who's deployed and in yeah. Afghanistan or in, a, in stationed somewhere in the military. Maybe this is your first year after a divorce. Maybe this is even the third or fourth or fifth year post-divorce or post-loss or dealing with something like moving across the country. Maybe you, like we did, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, there's definitely an element of grieving that the 
the way in which you have done things in the past during this particular season that has so much nostalgia can really have an effect on you. So it can be related to illness, diagnoses, anything like that. So even if you think you don't have something super severe, but you have a little bit of a, a elevated level of stress or you seem overtly emotional, there might be something there for you to address. So we'll dig into a lot of that today. But yeah, I like your idea of just jumping right into the to the W-Y-R. W-Y-R? All right. Well, let's do our little segment part. You mean the little intro? The little intro, yeah. Insert intro here. Would you rather... All right, so today's Would You Rather is, would you rather be alone for the rest of your life Oh. or surrounded by annoying people for the rest of your life? Oh, alone for sure. Like, I'm talking like... Like you Gilbert get, Gottfried? You get... <laughs> you gotta take the good with the bad. Obviously, obviously. I mean, come on. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty annoying. Getting things like airdropped to your house, like never seeing another person. Oh, you mean total and complete isolation. Yeah. Like recluse. You're alone for the rest of your life. Okay, so it's like groceries delivered. Yeah, hermit style. Or being around annoying people. Or the people you're around are always annoying you. Yeah. Like that one chick from Friends who was always like, hey, man. Oh. My. God. That one? Yes. And it's, you can't, here's a loophole that I thought of. You can't go, oh, well, I'll get used to the annoying people. No, they're always annoying. Oh, so you always have that feeling of irritation. Yes. Good call on the loophole. <laughs> nice job, Smith. It happens. It happens. It really I'm does. I'm sure there'll be more, but I, th- I thought of that one. Oh, man. So I'm torn on this one because I do think we're wired for connection. Absolutely. And that's where this all stems from. I really, I mean, that's how we thrive is through connection, through love. It's, but if you're connecting through annoying people. But if you're constantly in that irritated place... Man, I don't know. So, But then I think about, okay, if I was totally isolated, I mean, I could paint. I could hang out with the woodland creatures. I mean, I picture- Woodland creatures. Which is I weird. I picture myself in nature with like deers and- mm, I was thinking like a deserted island kind of thing. Deers is in the word. With the deer and the squirrels and, and I picture myself living- Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But then I think- Oh, okay. Well, so with, it's the two extremes. Well, right? with my anxious energy, I think, okay, being by myself, that would probably catapult me into massive depression. But if I was around negative people, <laughs> then, or annoying people, rather, I think that would spark my anxiety and I'd have a panic attack and a heart attack anyway. So I think, I think I'm going to still go for the isolation. What about you? Oh, man. I thought about this. I think I'm going to go with alone. You are too? Yeah. Yeah, I think I could live as a hermit much better than I could with annoying people. Yeah. Like, I would start, I would have bloody knuckles all the time. I, yeah, I think for me, it would be the energy piece, like just anxious wise. I'm not wired for that. And I think if I was alone, at least if I went insane, I was in my own world of (laughs) insanity. Yeah, you're in your own world of insanity. Sure. Yeah. And no one's there to tell you it's not insane. Right. For some reason, I picture myself like, in the woods, in a, in a, sh- in a cabin, okay. or yeah, something like that. It's a nice cabin. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so we would love to hear what you would rather. And if you're wondering what we're talking about with the loopholes, 
every single Monday in our After Hours community. It's over on Facebook. It's called the Joy Junkie After Hours Club, and it's specifically for this group, you guys out there, the audience. And on Mondays, we all discuss the Would You Rather, and we talk about the reasons why you would choose those things. And everybody gets super creative, but there's always somebody who tries to come in with a loophole. And then Mr. Smith's like, according to Article 7 in the... (laughs) In the bylaws, Article 7, Paragraph 4, Line 3. No, you have to have sandy genitals. Like... That's right. It never goes away. So we have such a blast. Plus, I do live Q&A trainings every single Thursday, affectionately termed Q and Slay, where you can get questions answered and get some live feedback and advice on what's going on with you. All you have to do is go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. It'll redirect you right over to that group. And it's an incredible, amazing group of people who just support one another and champion each other. I run a very tight ship, so it's not like a lot of Facebook groups that are constant selling and people trying to get business and all of that stuff. Like we really stay focused on supporting each other and connecting. So we would absolutely love to have you. And speaking of free shit, I think I might do. You, do you hear that? No, you don't hear that. Um, I'm gonna need you to hear it. <laughs> oh, there it is. Now I hear it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I was like, "Uh, I don't." (laughs) He's not playing along. Uh, We're it's recording. (laughs) I need you to. Okay. Are these mics on? Are these mics on? Hello, 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 McFly. (laughs) Oh my gosh! So there is a free workshop available for you right now. All you have to do is go to thejoyjunkie.com/slash/workshop, and you can gain access to it. There are tons of different times and dates available, so if you go and check and it's a time that you can't make it, just cruise back to the same URL, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, and you'll see additional times and dates available. Here's the deal. This is about the five key shifts that I use in my practice with my clients and students to get them to a place where they let go of perfectionism, that kind of death grip of control and everything has to be flawless in order for me to proceed or in order for me to feel valuable. We're talking about getting rid of people pleasing and that constant investment in what other people think and how to shake up all of that self-doubt where you are constantly getting in your own way getting back into the dating scene or manifesting a soulmate, trying to start your own business, wanting to get ahead in your current field, wanting to have a better relationship with your family members, and everything that's happening in your head is just doubt, 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 doubt. Why you're wrong, why everybody else knows better than you. So I break down for you exactly what I do in my work in order to get people to that place where they truly believe that they're enough, behave from a place of courage, and kick ass on all their goals and dreams. Yeah. So again, would you believe none of that was written down? Like I just, I'm kind of impressed with myself right now. Are you? Yeah. Like that wasn't scripted at all? (laughs) No. Wow. You can see me. I'm just talking. Yeah. All right. So be sure to go check that out. And I'm hoping that that gives you a lot of clarity and some insight on maybe some of the ways that you might be holding yourself back. So let's jump in and talk about grief, specifically around the holidays and how that can get kicked up a little bit more potently than during other times of year of the year. Now, I know that a lot of times when we talk about the term grief, and I can definitely be included in this group, for the longest time, I felt like grief was only really warranted for massive, massive issues. 
And to me, that was pretty much just death, like the loss of somebody, or perhaps divorce, something that where there was some kind of severance of relationship. I never really thought about the fact that oftentimes we need to grieve when there has just been a disruption to our normal pattern of behavior. And the reason why we need to grieve that is because there's an element of safety that happens through our routine. So you guys know how whenever you go for something new, whether it's something you really want to do or you don't want to do, whether it's intuition or inner critic, you still have fear. And that fear is coming in saying, something's new, something's different, we don't feel safe. Yeah. Well, there is the same sort of a, an emotional response with grief where you're going, it's not the same. Things are not the same. Yeah. But especially if it's a good thing. Like for us, we knew that we definitely wanted to move across the country. Yes. We knew that it was going to give us a lot of the things we wanted, like dream home and quality of life and saving for retirement and rich community. But we also knew that there was going to be a cost to that, that yep. we were going to leave leave people behind. Or maybe it's something where you got an incredible job opportunity. And so this holiday, maybe you're working abroad and it's a phenomenal choice for you, but yet there's still a cost. That might mean that you need to grieve this new chapter. Now, if the word grieve feels like the wrong semantics for you, please use something else. You could use something like emotionally address, deal with, acknowledge my emotions, something like that. Because, you know, grief might feel pretty severe. I think it's really just about acknowledging that there has been a new change of events. In fact, I didn't even really think about it in those terms until a friend introduced me to, I can't recall if it was the Grief Institute or it was it was an organization where they specifically targeted this concept hmm. and how so many of us do exactly what I just said. We reserve grief, grief and emotional exorcism, I guess, like sure, letting yeah. our emotional yeah. our emotions out, we reserve that for very, very small times. So then what happens is you get into a situation, maybe like we are, where we've moved across the country, we're super happy, but we still might have some sadness or some nostalgia or some emotions that come up. And then you can tend to beat yourself up. Like, why am I so upset? We knew we wanted to do this. We yeah. made this choice. Nobody forced us. Sure. And you start talking shit to yourself about what you feel. Like, what you feel is wrong. Or let's say it's the situation where you took a job abroad and you knew it was the best decision for you. You could do the same thing, beating yourself up for having emotions that you don't you don't think are warranted. And so you... Get mad at yourself. Like, I made this decision. I knew what I was in for. Why am I so emotional? I would mm -hmm. do it again. So that's what I'm talking about is addressing whatever comes up for you emotionally that feels stoked and instigated by this season. Because hmm. a lot of times what's happening for us around the season, and I felt like this even in California. I feel like the air smells different. Yeah. Totally. Certain certain things really spark that emotion of, of nostalgia. There's things that you see visually like Christmas lights or Hanukkah candles or things like that that are a visual cue of what happens during this time of the year. Like I mentioned at the very, very beginning of this episode, I want you to think about if there are any major feels that you're getting right now. 
if there is a lot of emotion happening for you that doesn't feel necessarily powerful for you. I'm hoping that this episode will shed a little bit of life or a little bit of light on that. A little bit of life too. Right. So I think that that first item of business, as I just mentioned, is kind of expanding either the definition of grief or what we grieve or even just changing that moniker a little bit and calling it things I need to deal with or things I Mm -hmm. need to look at or emotions that are surfacing. Yeah. Now, this will also carry different weight for different people, right? If this is your first year being single after a really tumultuous divorce, it might be incredibly painful because you see all these things you used to do together during this time or there's still pictures up at your in-law or at your uh, parents' house or something like that where you just get incredibly triggered. It might not be as palpable five years. Or it might be the opposite. For instance, my my baby brother, who's one of my very best friends, his first like five years after my dad passed, he hadn't really dealt with anything. So he had kind of shut the door on everything, didn't really look at it. So his grief really was exacerbated and came to the surface about five years out. Whereas yeah. for me, the first year of everything was much more challenging. Yeah. Yeah. He had it hit him, like I said, five years post. And that's important to understand that this, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It only matters what you feel and acknowledging what you feel. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But our first, first number one thing about how to deal with grief during the holidays is to change your view or your perspective around emotions. In our culture, by and large, we view emotions as weakness, particularly if they are vulnerable. So many people even equate vulnerability with weakness. Mm -hmm. I personally feel in a world where we are told to stifle our humanity, we are told to not show how we feel, I think it's a fierce and courageous act of bravery to actually allow your emotions to come to the surface. And that took me a long time to acknowledge. For the longest time, I thought, I'm too sensitive. I'm too sensitive. I'm too much. I'm too this. I'm too that. And then I realized, no, that's my fucking superpower. And that's what I teach my students all the time. I'm like, you need to change that because the same reason why you feel so intensely is the same reason why you can allow joy and ecstasy and euphoria and bliss and hilarity and all of the fun emotions that we want to feel. Brene Brown often says, you cannot selectively numb emotion. If you numb the dark, you numb the light. So if you try, what that means is, if you try to never feel grief, never feel anger, never feel sadness or shame, that also means turning that off turns off your access to joy, excitement, bliss, euphoria, all those things that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Every range of the spectrum. I want you to start looking at emotions as messaging. Emotional pain is exactly the same as physical pain. For instance, if I have problems with my knees, I've mentioned to you guys, which they're actually healing substantially, which is so exciting. But if I have pain in my knees, I don't think like, oh gosh, stupid knees, what's wrong with you? I used to. 
Now I go, oh, what are you trying to tell me? You're telling me that something is awry. Something is not as it should be because my body is signaling that there's pain. That is exactly what happens with our emotions. Hey, Amy, something's not totally fitting here. Pay attention. What is this about? Are you sad that you are now in a new community and you're not close to your friends and family? Are you feeling loneliness? It's just a clue in to pay attention. So I want you to start adopting this idea that emotions are just messaging and your only job is to listen to the message. Again, in our culture, we applaud not feeling. In fact, we do everything we can to not feel. And a lot of times what happens, it's sort of this process. We feel something uncomfortable. Like we see stuff during the holidays, let's say, that we used to share with our father or our mother who has since passed away or an ornament for a child who maybe passed away or something like that. We feel that emotion. We don't want to feel it. We don't want to address it. So we turn to a behavior like over drinking, over spending, maybe isolating yourself, maybe people pleasing, trying to put all this effort into other people so that we don't have to feel our emotions. So you might also access this through your behaviors. You, If you notice that you are drinking a shit ton more, or you are doing a detrimental behavior that's not healthy for you, more so during the holidays, spoiler alert, it's probably because you're feeling something you're not addressing. Hmm. So number one is just change your view or your perspective around emotions and check in with yourself, especially if you're noticing really detrimental behaviors, your actions. You're trying to reach out to people who you know are toxic, you're drinking too much, you're overeating. Chances are there's something you don't want to feel. And so Hmm. check in. What is it that I might not be addressing? Was there something you were going to add? Oh, I was just saying this time of year, there's a lot more food around. Yep. Food can be one of those things that we reach for when That's right. we're emotionally fragile fragile, or seeking something or avoiding something. Right. So that's something to watch for is why are you going back for that food? Is it just that you like the food or is there some other reason that you're trying to fill? Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's just the gluttony. It's that you're actually already full, but you're sort of self-sabotaging by going back for seconds and thirds and fourths or whatever. And a lot of times what we'll do is we have such a great excuse during the holidays. So we lean so heavily on the excuse. Like, oh, there's so much candy in the office or, oh, there's tons of holiday parties and blah, blah, blah. And, And yes, I think those things can be true. And it can also be true that you're not looking at something. Yeah. Right. And this could be specifically because it's a bigger category, like what we've been talking about, like divorce or ailments or moving somewhere or maybe even a deployment in the military. Or it can be something very simple, like you just change jobs and it's an entire new work environment and you are just stressed the fuck out. What it all comes down to, no matter what, is feeling your feelings. Number two, don't vote on what comes up. When I went to coaching school, they used this term voting on. And really what it means is judging, saying, I shouldn't feel this way. 
For example, the, the situation I mentioned with my brother, he could have very easily beat himself up for, why am I not a basket case this mm-hmm, first year? Like, right. I actually feel fine. Well, his defense mechanism was to shut down. Of course, he didn't feel anything. He was turning off his access to his, his emotions. Conversely, I had the opposite. I went, I remember going to my therapist and I kind of was like, gosh, I feel like I've plowed through all of this emotion and I felt it and I kind of came through the other side really quickly. So I felt like I shouldn't be over this this quickly. I should be mourning more, right? right? So we both had a similar come from, but the feeling though between both of us was that what we were feeling and what was coming up was wrong somehow. That we were grieving wrong. We were feeling in a incorrect manner. I think this can also happen when holidays don't trigger you. And then oh, yeah. grief, you kind of go, well, gosh, do I not love that person who passed away? Do mm, I not miss right. those people that I moved across the country from? Do I Am I an asshole because I'm so much happier in this new career? Those are the things, or or even like, let's say it's something egregious, like the loss of a child. And last year was incredibly challenging being in the hospital or dealing with a lot of intensity and stress. And maybe you feel guilty for the relief you feel this year because right. you're not up against something like that. All of that stuff is voting on how you feel. You are allowed to feel what you feel. However, you are 100% always responsible for your choice of action. I've used the example in the past that, for instance, if you are super angry at an ex for what they did to you, is it understandable that you are so angry that you would want to go set their house on fire or Uh key their car. Of course, it's understandable. It's not acceptable. And oftentimes, we don't go to that extreme. We do something that harms ourselves. So we start to do the overdrinking, the overeating. Mm. We throw ourselves into work so we don't get to connect with people that we care about. We choose a behavior that actually hurts us because we're not looking at that emotional current that's like, hey, Amy, pay attention. Hey, there's something over here for you. So... If, especially if you hear the words, you should feel this way, or you shouldn't want to do that, or you shouldn't feel relief that that person has passed, or that you're not close geographically to those people any longer, or thankful that they are actually serving in the military, or that you are deployed. Like, you get to feel whatever you feel. Just be cognizant of what you make that mean. Most of the time, we make it mean that we're an asshole. And it's not true at all. It just means the way that we are processing. For instance, I can love where we have chosen to live and still absolutely love the people at home and be sad about being away from them or not being able to connect with them as richly or in the same ways that we used to. Right. Both of those things can exist. Most of the time we think if I love where I live, I must be acrimonious or bitter or mean towards my the people I came from, right? Right. We, we don't make it that we can have both. I love it here and I love them and I miss them and I still would love to have it all. If they could all be here, that would be incredible. Right. Same thing like if you have an amazing job that you're unhappy in, we think, oh, well, you 
you must not be grateful. You can be grateful to have a job and be unhappy in that job. It doesn't mean you're an ungrateful asshole. It just means you're targeting your fulfillment. So give yourself sort of some expanse that your emotions get to show up however they show up. All right, so number one, change your view or your perspective around emotions. They're just messaging. Number two, don't vote on what comes up. For instance, maybe there's something with deployment, I didn't even mention this one, or military, where you have extreme anger. Maybe anger that that person is away, maybe anger about what's happening in our government, maybe angry that you have to be away from your family. You're allowed to be furious. That doesn't mean you're less of a patriot. Yeah. It doesn't mean you are less of loving our country as as much as you do. It means that both exist. Right. Right? All right. Number three, gear up. Create a holiday survival plan. Now, this is a ton of different things, and I've got episode after episode to dig into any of these a little bit deeper, so I might throw a couple of them into the show notes. Self-care, really being vigilant about what you need to process those emotions. Some of those things are downtime to journal, fitness, exercise is one of the best ways to get rid of extreme stress and emotion. Absolutely. Could be music, time to enjoy music or dance or singing or playing instruments. It could be that you just need to start saying no more. We've talked about holiday obligations and things like that, things that you're constantly saying yes to that are clouding your ability to take care of yourself. And then also prepping your mind a little bit for the unexpected. And what I mean by that is grief or sadness or emotions or whatever it is come out in ways we don't always expect them. They're messaging, remember? So they're here to clue us in to shit that we're not seeing. So that might be you're at a holiday function and you get all emotional and you had no idea that was coming up because (laughs) you are so sad that you are not with your old office that you used to celebrate holidays with every year. And now you're at this new business and you get shit-faced at the holiday party and start bawling your eyes out in the bathroom and it's all because you didn't even realize how sad you were about missing those people. Yeah. Not that you're not connected and excited for the new opportunity, but that there's something that you haven't addressed. So prepare for the unexpected. And then go back to number two, like I said, and don't vote on what comes up. If you're unexpectedly angry, if you're unexpectedly weepy, if you're unexpectedly fine and happy and relieved, that's fine too. All right. Letting go of any obligations, things that you know you need to say no to, kind of like I mentioned. And then also asking for what you need. As you guys know, I've been up against some health issues lately. I've had to really ask for things. So Darlene, who's my brilliant assistant, I will tell her like, hey, I need you to do this for me. Or I will say specifically, if you have ideas that you think will make things easier on me, yell them out for me. Right. Because I really, really need help seeing that because my tendency is to overwork. That's a big one. Or overcommit. So I ask her for what I need. For instance, with you this weekend, I knew that I needed a weekend with no activities. So I asked for what I needed. And I said, hey, babe, I know that for me, what I'm grieving right now is some stuff with my health. And I know that I need to address the emotions around that. And another piece of that self-care is not overpacking my schedule. So I said, babe, 
just so you know, if we get any invites for things to do this weekend, I'm going to need to decline. I need a weekend just total recharging. For sure. Doing my nails, all of that kind of stuff. So asking for what you need. You could also have a situation where you ask for specific phrases or love or adoration from your best friend or family members or anything like that. You know, maybe you ask your brother like, hey, can we have a conversation where we just take a little bit of time and celebrate the things that we loved about celebrating the holidays with dad? Would you be up for that? It would mean the world to me. Or since we've moved across the country, can you just text me every once in a while and tell me how much you miss me? Ask for what you need. Exactly. Asking for what you need is huge. So number three is gearing up. And if any of those things, the self-care, saying no, asking for what you need, check the show notes because I'm going to have a couple more resources there for you. Number four, honor the past in a way that serves you. You might want to do some sort of ritual of honoring those people in the past. I know people sometimes will put place settings out for those who've passed away at holiday meals. Something like that might be a positive way to honor people who you wish were still with you. But then maybe with something like divorce, it might be the way you have to honor the past in a way that serves you is to get rid of all of the ornaments that the two of you had together. And maybe get Mm -hmm. donating stuff that you were going to buy for them or give them for the holiday. You might need to go donate that and get that out of the house. That might be the best way that you can honor the past. Purging is a great way to get rid of some stress. That's right. Maybe letting go of old traditions or memorabilia that reminds you of a really dark, sad, trying time. Uh, It could be something where you take pictures of things. So that you can have the chronicling of what happened in your world, but you get rid of the actual physical piece. We see people like that who get really attached to items. Like when somebody is passed on, they keep their room the same. So take a picture of the room and then donate that shit. Like it's, it's a way for you to go, okay, I'm gradually healing. I'm gradually letting go. And I know that those things do not equate my love for that person. Yeah. Right. But it really depends on what feels the most healthy for you. Another huge way to do this is gratitude, like writing out a big list of gratitude, all of the times that you spent with that person or how much you enjoyed your physicality in the past. Like, let's say you're up against an ailment or an injury this year and you really wanted to go sledding or maybe you do something with the family that you're impaired. You can't do that this year. You might have to write a big letter of gratitude to your body for all those years it took care of you and for this year that it's really doing everything it can to heal. So it might be a different perspective that you give. And if you stand in gratitude, it immediately gets you out of victimhood. All right. Number one, change your view or your perspective around those emotions. Number two, do not vote on what comes up. Number three, gear up, prepare, create a holiday survival plan. Number four, honor the past in a way that serves you. And then number five is kind of the antithesis. Create new traditions to honor your new chapter. Absolutely. That's a good one. We have what we like to call Smith's Tradits. And they are essentially Smith traditions. And there's things that we really, really love to do at the holiday. And we are able to do them here in our new location, just the same as we were in the past. But because now we have different elements out here, there's actually seasons. (laughs) We can start creating new traditions that are in aligned uh, alignment with this 
particular chapter. So for instance, we will be looking at lights like our Smith's Tradits. However, we'll be looking at totally new neighborhoods. We won't get to see that one little area that we used to always go to every single year in California. It'll have to be a different neighborhood out here. That's okay. Or we might actually do stuff in snow. We've never done that. That might become a brand new Smith's Tradits for us out here. Is there a way that you can honor this new chapter? If you're dealing with an ailment or an injury, maybe you do some really fun holiday thing where people, everybody signs your cast or you do an advent candle or a calendar on your cast or something like that. And you color in a new thing every day. And it's, it's just a new way for you to kind of celebrate. Here's where I am during this holiday. You can get really creative with that kind of a thing. But what happens is if you focus on creating a new sort of a tradition or ritual or something like that, you start to reclaim your power and you're not wallowing in the that victimhood of, oh my gosh, why am I so sad? What's wrong with me? Things are different now. It's not the way it used to be. (laughs) You get to create all of those new changes. Something that's been really awesome for us this year has been creating Thanksgiving, that's more of like a Friendsgiving. Yes, yes. Or celebrating Christmas with friends instead of family. Celebrating Christmas way earlier in California. You know, things like that. Allowing the new traditions to honor wherever you are. All right. And then finally, number six, call in your allies. Get your support system. This can be therapists. This can be healers. This can be body workers like Mr. Smith, acupuncturists. Best friends, masterminds, mentors, coaches, clergy. (laughs) You guys can guess that's probably not my first go-to. But there (laughs) might be spiritual leaders that you follow or the church or anything like that. Who are your allies? Who are the people who you really could ask for what you needed? And they would be like, I'm right there. I'm there for you, babe. Sure. Who are those people? All right? So those are your six strategies for dealing with grief during the holidays. Let's recap real quick. And I want you to really focus on where you need to make some shifts. Number one, change your view or your perspective around emotions. All right. Vulnerability and feeling your feels means you're human. That's it. Not that you're weak. Not that there's something wrong with you. It's actually something trying to come through to you. Number two, don't vote on what comes up. No judging. Whatever's coming up is okay. Number three, gear up. Create a holiday survival plan. Exercise that self-care. Start saying no. Prep for the unexpected. Number four, honor the past in a way that serves you. Number five, create new traditions to honor your new chapter. And then finally, number six, call in the allies. Get that support system. And know that this is not necessarily easy. It, like I mentioned before, it's going to feel different for different people depending on what you're up against and how you process. So be compassionate with yourself. Nobody is enjoys dealing with grief. Nobody's like, yay, I can't wait to ball my eyes out or journal for 12 hours. No, no, of course not 12 hours. But it is always going to be easier to drink the wine or eat the food or spend the money. That will always be easier. But the brave step, the courageous step is to look at what you are feeling because you deserve it. You deserve to process and you deserve to heal. 
So I'm hoping that this is helpful for you. If you want more tidbits on some of this stuff that I teach and elaborate on and sort of the the process that I take people through to let go of some of this stuff, dealing with emotions like blame, feeling like you have to make everybody else more important, feeling like everything needs to be perfect and flawless, go take the workshop, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, and see if that unlocks a couple of things for you. And in the meantime, hang out with us in After Hours, thejoyjunkie.com slash club. We have such a great time. Mr. Smith chats in there too, and you'll see what his real first name is, (laughs) which some people are like, oh my gosh, he took away the mystery. (laughs) Oh my gosh, so funny. I should change my name on Facebook. Oh my God, to just Mr. Smith. That'd be hilarious. Any other final thoughts you wanted to throw in the mix? You know, I think one of the go-tos this time of year is that it's this time of year. Mm, Like the the phrase we say in our head? Yeah, it's like, oh, well, it's this time of year. Uh, I think that's one thing that we can kind of start to work on. You are where you are. Yeah. You are where you are. And yeah, there's other things happening, but there's always other things. There's other things happening in the summer too. That's right. So just be where you are. Like it's a challenging statement and it's a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But enjoying the moment, whether it's crying, whether Mm -hmm. it's being angry, just Mm -hmm. knowing that that's a human emotion and that you're allowed to have it. Yeah. Allows you to be in that moment. Or even, even sometimes more comfortable emotions like joy. Sometimes we don't allow joy. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side, sure. We think, oh gosh, so-and-so is suffering or my mom's dealing with the fact that my dad passed away. Who am I to experience joy in my life Yeah, or in my marriage? Right. Yeah. Keep tabs on, on what's coming up for you. Great point, baby doll. Yeah. Anyway, other than that, have a great holiday, everybody. That's right. From our family to From yours. From our family to yours. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to make my uh, shwitty balls. Oh, nice. This year, so. You oh, get, you are? Yeah, you get to taste my shwitty balls. No one can resist my shwitty balls. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> That's going to be a hard no. You don't like? They're just. Your everyday average shwitty balls. Every average run-of-the-mill baked ball. Baked ball. I can't. <laughs> All right, or guys. Sauteed, All right, you you're prefer. cut off, Mr. Smith. we will see you around these parts next week here is to loving and living your most badass life mr and mrs smith out